Hello, this is Michael James King coming to you from beautiful round town, USA, where I was talking with a flat earther the other day, and he said, well, the only thing flat earthers have to fear is sphere itself. Oh. <laughs> and did you hear about the flat earther that went skydiving? They said he landed on a plane. Then I inquired, how many people are in the Flat Earth Society? And he replied with pride, literally thousands. We have members all around the globe. Oh. (laughs) This is yet another edition of God's Love Club, the podcast that talks about God's divine love and what it means for you today. We, as always, are giving a shout out to spirit-led believers everywhere and greeting them with a holy kiss. We confess Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. We thank him for his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, and we look forward to his soon appearing in the clouds. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that your Holy Spirit anoint us as we speak to your people. Open all our hearts and minds to receive your revelations. Speak as you desire. We want to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today, my co-host with the Spirit-led most is the lovely Christy Smith, the darling of Roundtown, USA. Christy is happy and well-adjusted in beautiful downtown Roundtown, where she believes without limits, prays for her family and friends unceasingly, and treats all puppies with loving kindness. The title of this podcast today is, God Causes Us Both to Love and to Mate for His Good Pleasure. Hey, Christy. How you doing? I'm doing really well. There aren't a lot of puppies around for me to be kind to, but there are a lot of kittens, and I'm learning to be kind to them. I didn't used to like cats, but these I love. You are growing in amazing ways. I, I am. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about how God causes us both to love and to mate for his good pleasure. And the reason that we're going to talk about that is because there is a sense, spoken or unspoken, that who we mate with who we choose to date, who we choose to marry, who we choose to have children with is basically our business and everybody but out almost to the point of telling God to get lost because we want to do what we want to do and we consider that to be our business. And what we're going to talk about today is how it's basically God's business who you marry and who you mate with because the overall thing that God is going for is his pleasure is his will, is his plan. And it's very, very important who you choose to marry because that affects your life in such fundamental ways that if you marry incorrectly, a lot of times you can't be effective for God. Yeah, that's right. And the basis of this understanding goes back to creation. Because in Genesis it says that God created them male and female. The masculine balances the feminine together, they become one person. And scripture is clear that when you make love to someone, you become one with them. Jesus also prayed for his disciples that as they became one, he would become one with them. And as God was in him, he would be in us. So when we join together with another human being in that way, the presence of God is there, and it fulfills, it's meant to fulfill the design of humanity, not only the design of humanity, but the design of humanity's relationship with God, because God desires to be one with us. That's where he's going in the book of Revelation. The dwelling place of God is with man. It's actually in man. And as man and woman join together as one, God joins and unites with them. It's a very spiritual experience. And to unite with someone who is not the person for you or the person that God has 
separated you from because of some disobedience in one or the other of your lives, it breaks the natural reason for that kind of intimacy. And what God desires is to bring the people together that he is destined to be together because he receives pleasure from that. That's how he really interacts with his creation in the most pleasurable way, not just for people, but for him. Exactly. We have grown up in a world that believes that marriage is a lot about sex. And a lot of times, young people, they get married because they want to mate. And they don't always have the will of the Lord in mind when they're looking for somebody to be with. They just feel like they want to be loved for a lot of different reasons, and so they mate. That has far-reaching consequences, not only on earth, but in heaven. Because originally God wanted mankind to mate as he led, and the children born of those unions would be godly. They would be the children of God, essentially, because they were born according to his spirit. God's wanting to bring it back into a pre-fallen garden situation. He wants people to mate not through random chance, not through personal selfish desire, but as he leads. And this is why he will restructure a great swath of marriages in the world, because they're not according to his plan. They're not according to what he wants. And by me saying that, I'm touching a very near and dear idol to a lot of people's hearts. They idolize marriage, and they think it's sacrosanct. And in other religions, it's the same thing. They control and they maintain a certain standard according to the religion of who you can marry and how long you're supposed to be married, which is basically for life. And so what happens is a lot of people marry not according to what God wants, but according to the lusts of the flesh, according to what their family wants, according to security and wealth, according to position. And God is kind of the last thing on the agenda. And so what you have is you have people that have a biological imperative to mate. And so they do that. And a couple of years into the marriage, everything's gone. They've fulfilled that. And now they wake up next to each other wondering why they're in the same bed. And from there, a lot of things ensue, most of them not so good. The truth is, mistresses and adultery and fornication and pornography is actually a consequence of not marrying within the will of the mm -hmm. Lord. People wake up and they find that they're unsatisfied because they made a rash vow. And so now they try to compensate for what they lack in ways that are not profitable, or even sometimes very sinful. And you want to focus on those things they do as bad, but what you should be doing is re-examining the choice that led to those bad things in the first place. Now, why is this important? It's important because God made us both to love and to mate for his good pleasure. It was supposed to be for his good that we mate. Primarily, it's his thing. And it's supposed to bring children according to his will and according to the leading of his Holy Spirit. And if we're not doing that, we're violating one of the most fundamental things God ever created. The point of creation is children, but not our children, the children of God. And the thought of admitting that you made a rash vow that you sinned 
by marrying somebody that God didn't ordain, that's tough. That means you basically have to give all in order to follow God. But that's what it requires. When you make a mistake like Paul did and got so deep into Judaism that he became a Pharisee of the Pharisees, when Jesus showed up and showed him the way, everything he had done was pretty much beside the point. He counted it all as dung that he might go and serve God. And it's a terrible thing to know that you've built your life on the sand and you need to go and change your position, change your location, and build upon the rock. What I'm saying is this is light that illuminates. Now what it shows in your own life, I don't know what that is. But when I turn on the light, you need to look and open your eyes and see what is going on here. Before the light was on, everything remained in darkness. And you could kind of ignore it. But now that the light is on, you say, wow, did I really make the choice God wanted me to make? And if I didn't, what does God want me to do now? You know, you are created to serve a creator. And everything now in your life, since you've given your life to Jesus Christ, is his to do with as he pleases. Therefore, if he reveals to you that you've made a foolish vow and you need to change things up, it's his business. Because you were created both to love and to mate for his good pleasure. That's right. And the ideal way to approach this idea is before you make a commitment to someone for life. Because having to realign like Paul did when he poured his whole life into Judaism and God had to redirect him into the truth, that's a hard journey to have to redirect and move. It's worth it to be aligned with where God wants you to be aligned, but it requires sacrifice. Yeah, that's true. It's best for younger people or people before they get married to make sure they are with the person that God wants them to be with. And here's a fundamental key that you can look toward. Not all spiritual connections become divine mates. Right. But all divine mates should be spiritual connections. If you are really going to mate according to what God wants, you will have a connection with that person that is deep and profound and spiritual and of God. God flows through you to that person. God flows from that person to you. Together you become a better person than you were as an individual. That type of connection is what divine mates are called to be. And the reason you need that is because it needs to be written by God. When that relationship is written by God, it is profoundly satisfying, profoundly strengthening, profoundly fulfilling, and you become a better person for being connected to that person. There's nothing in the relationship that dwindles. It just becomes deeper, more satisfying, richer, more fulfilling. It fills you out to the person you're supposed to be. The sense of being near that person is good and strong. Being separated from that person doesn't feel as good. And the intimacy between divine mates is the most incredible experience that a human being can have because it is what we were created for. We were created to have that intimacy with the person that God put us with. And when his presence is there in our lives in every way, especially in the intimate interactions, there is just a deep spiritual component to the entire relationship that supersedes anything that you could get physically. People innately know that that type of relationship is supposed to be the end-all, be-all of human existence. Yes. And when you have a physical experience with that intimacy, 
there's a, a sense of knowing, okay, I'm on the right path. But if it's lacking the spiritual connection that God designs for it, it's always going to be lacking. And it's always going to end up failing your satisfaction. And then people begin to look elsewhere. Like exactly. like you mentioned, they pursue things they're not supposed to pursue, either something within that relationship or a relationships outside of that, or relationships with different genders or whatever it is that they need to get that sense of satisfaction that they know is supposed to be there. But you're not going to find it unless you are with your divine mate who you're spiritually connected with, because it's the presence of God in that unique, intimate relationship that is a spiritual experience, first and foremost. If it's not a spiritual experience, it's going to just be 5% of what it's supposed to be. Exactly. But the spiritual component of that relationship is what connects you deeper to each other, connects you deeper even to God, and it never wanes. It never waxes. It continues to remain satisfying and fulfilling and, and even increases over time. And there's nothing like it in the world. And if you're not with the person you're supposed to be with, you're missing the huge component of what human life is supposed to be all about. And you find out that it's not the satisfaction that you wanted, mm -hmm. that you really need. There's something missing. And you have this vague idea that there's a hole in you that can't be filled by your present relationship, but you don't know what to do about it. Because basically there's nothing you can do about it in Christianity. And just in the world, there's a lot of times nothing you can do about it. You know, if you go to many places in the world... The marriages are so strictly controlled, say in Hindu culture or in Muslim culture and other cultures, that once you mate, you're mated for life. And you had better not break that because that is a huge shame to your family. And people often stay in horrible situations because it is the cultural norm. And men treat their wives horribly. And they don't have any consequence mm -hmm. because the wives have no recourse. There may be legal recourse, but the wives will never do it because of the shame and the cultural bias against breaking up a, quote, marriage. You can literally, some places in the world, be stoned if they think that you've been accused of stepping out on your husband, even if he's Satan incarnate. Why? Because the law of the land, the tradition of the land, the culture of the land says you must stay married to that person. Lands have been exchanged many times or dowries or bride prices. The prestige and the standing in the community of your family is riding on you being the picture of the perfect wife. And you suck it up and you just carry on. And you're wasting your life. Why? Because you're not married to the person that God desires for you to be married to. Essentially, what's going on in the earth right now is a war against divine mates. Satan does not want people to unite as God directs. Satan wants everything else to happen but that. You can fornicate. You can commit adultery. You can join a sex commune. But if you want to go and actually be with the person that God wants you to be with, Oftentimes, you will find tremendous opposition. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'll have to even risk your life to be with the love of your life. That's right. And it's not just about those that are moving toward who they need to be with. The sense that we have 
to be with a particular person, and it's truly from God, comes from God. And it's not just for our pleasure and because it's going to be a better life, which it is. I mean, being with the person that God wants you to be with is the most satisfying experience you can have in your life. But it's satisfying because first and foremost, it's God's pleasure. Exactly. It's exactly why God created you to be with the person that you're supposed to be with. It's exactly why he created humanity. He made them male and female so he could bring them together as a male and female couple so that he could flow through them as they became one. And it's his pleasure. He derives pleasure from it because it's the purpose of creation. It's the purpose of humanity is to have that unity with God and that unity with each other. It's a spiritual experience of oneness. And we're so into separation and individuality, and I can do it all myself, especially in the Western culture, that the idea of becoming one with somebody else so that they're interdependent, not codependent, but interdependent, is usually not desirable. But that's exactly what God wants. He wants us dependent on him and interdependent on the people that he connects us to, specifically our divine mates. That's where he derives his pleasure. The thing that we have been misled about when it comes to God very often is that God does not want us to have pleasure. That when we're following the will of God, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be full of sacrifice. It's going to be painful. But that's what God wants because Jesus suffered and we need to suffer. Yes, there is suffering involved in following God, but it usually... Is only tied into either separating from a life that we've been in that we're not supposed to be in anymore, or it comes from the persecution that comes against us. But right. within us, there is a peace, there is a joy, there is a satisfaction. And when we are in the will of God, there is pleasure to be had when God is pleased with us. When God is pleased with us, we move by faith, which pleases him. And we specifically, in the marriage and relationship situation, are with the person that he wants us to be with. It's his pleasure that falls upon us, and we receive even a greater pleasure. We can't think that these bodies and these ways that God has made us to receive pleasure is all sinful. It becomes sinful when it's done outside of God. But when you are in God with the person you're supposed to be with, and you become one, the pleasure of God fills you as a person and your pleasure is increased and God is pleased and God will move mountains to bring you to the person that you need to be with so that not only can your life be full but he will have the pleasure that he desires amen to that the pleasure that he desires that's what this is about Mm -hmm. now we get pleasure from doing his pleasure God doesn't muzzle the ox that treads out the corn And the pleasure, even in a halo effect from what he's getting, is just totally awesome. But the point is that he gets pleasure, that he is satisfied, that he gets his will and way performed through us. And we are not taught that, Mm -mm. especially when it comes to intimate union, because people think, well, that's my business, and I choose who I want, and I do what I want. No, it's what he wants in every area of our lives. I've talked to women who are dead set against having children, and they're able to have children. And I wonder, well, is that your choice? Now they say, my body, my choice. Your body, God's choice. It's all about his will. Does he want you to have children? Does he not want you to have children? Either which way, he should get his way, Mm -hmm. and it should be his choice. If you're able to give a child of God to God, that is what many women in the Bible did and had incredible effects. What if the fruit of your womb is the next Jonah or the next Samuel or the next 
Moses, God needs your children. And if God is leading you to have children, you should have children. It doesn't really matter the circumstance. If it's led by God, God will provide. God will bless that child. A lot of children that are born out of wedlock are blessed. Why? Because they are the will of the Father. You had a child out of wedlock because you could not resist the Holy Spirit in you wanting to procreate. And you had intimate relations resulting in a human being against every societal norm, against every church doctrine, against every family decree. Why? Because God wanted your child to be born. And your child is blessed above others because it is a child of God. You know, people can't understand that, that we are looking at things that wrongly. Mm. But a love child is oftentimes a God child in a very literal sense. And they needed to be born. Perhaps they weren't born under the best circumstances. Perhaps it would have been nicer to do it a different way. But the point is they needed to be born and God chose and so God put his full force behind that union, even if it was for a night that that child exists so that he could take that child and make something of it and fulfill his will. So many people are living in shame and sorrow and, and thinking that they're terrible for what they've done when they did exactly what God wanted them to do. It's just that they and the world didn't understand it. That is that exactly what I am. I was a love child, born to a man and a woman that were not married. In fact, they got married because of me. And I am different than my brother and sister. I have a different spirit. And it was important that they have me because I'm allowing God to speak his truth through me. I'm allowing God to do his will through me. And God knew that would be the result of that. Now, were my parents perfect? No, but they raised me. They loved me. They brought me up. And now I'm here, which is kind of the point of everything. And if you are a love child, do not look at it as a shameful thing. Look at it as that God took special care that you were born and that you existed and that you're here today so that he can fill you with his spirit and do mighty things through you. There is no shame at being born. It is a miracle of God, however it happens. And you being here is the point. It's not how it was done. It's that you're here being able to listen to this and say, Hey, okay, I'm not that bad after all. God wanted me. Yeah. I wasn't somebody that wasn't wanted. I was something that God ordained. This is the truth. And there are millions of God children being born throughout the world that God has ordained and God will bless and God will raise up in these latter days to be the bride of Christ. And you are special. You are somebody that God said had to be. Do I care how I was born? No, I care that I was born. Yeah. <laughs> I care that I'm here. My children care that I was born. You see how... We need to see things from God's perspective and how it changes everything. I am speaking to you right now, and you know who you are. You were not a mistake. You were a godsend from heaven. 
And God is telling you right now that he has good things for you. And that you are not somebody to be ashamed of. But you're somebody to be valued and looked at as a miracle of the Most High. The perspective of God that is coming upon the Tabernacle Church is radically different than anything you've ever known in your entire life. It is truth and revelation of a magnitude that is unknown in the world today. And when people start to realize what God is really thinking and what he really sees, they're going to have a revelation that will totally alter their perspective on everything they know. And there's a huge attack against that move of God by the enemy. And partially it comes through the control and the dogma of the church. And partially it comes through the brokenness of humanity and how the enemy uses that to cause people to turn away from how they're created. Women are told that being with a man is a, is a bad thing, is a demeaning thing. We're told that being interdependent on someone is a bad thing. We need to be strong and independent and do your own thing. We're told that you can choose what gender you want to be. We're told that you can choose if you want to be attracted to a male or a female. And all of that is to persuade people to move away from the ultimate joy that God will have on the earth, but also the ultimate joy and fulfillment that they will have as individuals. Exactly. There's so many people, especially women, that are driven away from their God-given design and having to take on a lot of masculinity to be able to take care of themselves and do what they need to do in this world because they don't feel like they can be connected to a man. They feel like somehow that's demeaning. They feel like they're going to be controlled or they're going to be abused because there's been a lot of that that has gone on throughout history. But when you are with the person that you are connected to, that person will not mistreat you. That person will not abuse you. That person does not have any desire to control you. A spiritual connection and a divine mate wants what God wants for you. They become a physical manifestation that God will flow through to minister to you. So what you are sensing from the Spirit of God will also come through that person. And when a person is loving you on behalf of God, that is absolutely amazing. You have all your needs met. You know you are cared for, and you are allowed and encouraged to be who you really are. So a woman becomes more and more of a woman, and a man becomes more and more of a man, and together they become a better whole person, and God is pleased. And the enemy wants to to keep that from happening because the power of God in a divine mate couple, especially as they come together intimately, it pulls from heaven to the earth a presence of God that is powerful and it manifests on the earth a move that God wants to see happen that is rooted in love and is rooted in the presence of Christ in two people and is rooted in that unity that comes through love. There is no greater force on the earth than this and the enemy wants to prevent that from happening. I wonder sometimes what going over centuries-old doctrine really does for us. What we're supposed to be doing is, as individuals, listening to Spirit God and doing something right now that He wants to have done. Does He want you to pray? Or does He want you to listen to His voice? Or does He want you to go out in the street and hug somebody? Or does He want you to go and give a sandwich to somebody that God draws your heart to as you pass as you're going to work? You know, all this theoretical stuff really has no bearing on our daily lives. It's whether we do the voice of God now. You know, if you're not doing what God wants you to do right at this moment, then you're out of the will of God. Plain and simple. You know, if you're listening to what I'm saying because God is leading you to listen to this, that's what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. 
But if you were actually supposed to be doing something else today and you know it and you're listening to me, then all you're doing is wasting your time in God. You know, the point is to be where God wants you to be, doing what he wants you to do, when he wants you to do it, with whomever he wants you to do it with. That's the point of all this. This is how you become a manifestation of God. You know, if you're controlling your own life, you're doing what you think is right, you're missing the boat. You know, missing the boat in Noah's age meant really severe consequences. And missing the boat in our age has the same gravity. You don't want to miss the boat. You want to be sensitive to his voice yourself and doing his will at any given time. This is why Jesus accomplished so much during his lifetime, because anything he did, any given moment every day, he was doing what God wanted him to do. He wasn't doing what he wanted to do. And he just figured that God would feed him, God would clothe him, God would give him a place to lay his head, God would give him the very words to speak, the actions to do. And as he manifested God perfectly to those that he met, God was walking in the flesh. And God wants to do the same thing with us. It has been sold to people in the church that teaching amounts to godliness. If you just know more about God, mm -hmm. you'll be able to serve him better. But it's not true. Doing things that he asked you to do, that's serving God. Learning about God just becomes an onerous burden. And you just know more and more of what you're doing wrong. And you lose the heart to do even the small things because you're so overburdened that you just don't know how you're ever going to measure up. So then, well, you just quit doing anything. Yeah, you just give up. The truth is that God made us both to love and to mate for his good pleasure. It's all about us doing his will. At any given moment, at any given day, we don't need to learn more. We just need to listen more and do what God says to do. That's the sum total of this. That's right. And I have known people who have had biblical studies degrees and knew the word so well, and they could quote you chapter and verse and knew exactly what the Bible said about every single topic, but their own personal lives were a wreck because they didn't know how to apply it because you can't apply it of your own volition. You have got to have an experience with God and knowing the word is supposed to be a springboard to God. And through the word of God, we know God. But once we know God and we're connected to him, it goes much beyond that. And if what you are learning in the word of God is not impacting your life and you're not being drawn and catapulted closer to God, it's of no value. It's nice to be able to quote scripture and verse, but if it doesn't have any efficacy on your life, what is the value of it? What God is going for is an experience with him a personal experience, because how can you yeah, exactly. love and mate according to the perfect will of God so that he receives the pleasure that he wants to receive so that he can pour out that pleasure on you and you can have a fulfilled life? How can you even do that if you don't have a relationship with him, if you don't hear his voice, if you don't know where he's leading you? You can't go to your pastor and say, should I marry this person or this person? Because God wants to speak to you directly. And what God has for you may not line up with what everybody around you thinks is right. It's our responsibility and the onus is on us to connect with God, to have a personal experience with God. That in and of itself is very, very fulfilling. And from that, the light will shine on the path that we need to go to. And he will set up circumstances so that we can interact with who we need to interact with. And our divine mate will come into our life. Or if our divine mate is in our life, God will illuminate that to us and the connection will become deeper. It's a spiritual 
connection. It's not exactly. a knowledgeable connection. You don't make a list and compare your list to the other person. and You tick all the boxes. So I remember that in Bible college. We had a list. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Green eyes, blonde hair. <laughs> exactly. And the idea is that God knows what is good for us. You know, I shared the story a couple podcasts ago about the apartment that God led me to live in part of the week where I'm working at a new job. When I first started looking, there was a particular apartment building that I really wanted to live in, and it seemed right. I never really did see the inside, but it just seemed the location was good, the price was right, and it seemed beautiful, and I really wanted it. And I asked God many, many times, can I have one of those? Is that what you have for me? I will do what you want, but is that what you want? When he led me to the apartment that he had for me, I realized it was so much better than the one I asked him for. God doesn't say no so that he can be a killjoy and give you something worse. But a lot of times we are so sure we know what we want, and we are so sure we know what makes us happy that we'll pursue it with everything that is in us. And God is saying, hang on, I've got something better. So moving according to our own desires always needs to be yielded and submitted to the desires of God, because that is where we're going to get the greatest thing. God knew that in my heart I wanted a particular type of apartment, and he knew that what I was looking at and asking him for was not it. But he knew what the desires of my heart were, and he gave me according to the desires of my heart, which was better than what I was asking him for. How much more so does he want to do that in our relationship and the relationship with a spiritual connection and divine mate that is the ultimate of what he has for us in life? We know what our desires of our hearts are, but we don't know what that looks like on the outside. We don't know what that person looks like or what that person does for a living or maybe even what their personality type is or how old they are or where they live in the world. We don't know all of that. God knows that. God has a specific person picked for you that will meet the needs that you have because the needs that you have were created by him. And when we yield to him, even if it seems like, whoa, you want me to go to China and there's where I'm going to find my divine mate? That doesn't make any sense to me. But if we are yielded to the spirit of God, That's where we're going to find that spiritual connection and that divine mate. And once we are in that relationship, feeling the pleasure of God on your relationship and through your relationship, and especially in the intimacy, is exactly what all of us are searching for. And unless you've experienced that, you have no idea what you're missing. But you do know that you are missing something. (laughs) Right. You have this deep dissatisfaction in your life, and it's very difficult to admit that you made a mistake. And a lot of people just need to repent of their marriages, just like they repent of lying or they repent of stealing or they repent of doing something else that's a sin. Marrying the wrong person is a sin. It is doing something that is so fundamentally wrong in God that you've messed up your life, their lives, and potentially your children's lives. It's sin. And in the bigger scheme of things, God knows that maybe even if you left that situation, you'd do no better. You'd just get into another one. And so Mm -hmm. he says, well, you know, we'll just work with you right there. But there are some situations that are so bad that God just wants to correct them. God doesn't want you to sacrifice yourself to your foolish vow. He wants you to make a correction and get things right so that you can be in a good relationship to where he can actually use you for his kingdom. And that's why it gets back to God makes us both to love and to mate at his good pleasure. It's for him. It's not Mm -hmm. for us. Right, exactly. Whether we make a a correction a year into it or 50 years into it, if it's at his bidding, it's for his glory. When it came time for God to move into Christianity with Jesus Christ, the temple 
was no longer important. That was then. Jesus was now. And that earthly kingdom now became a heavenly kingdom that was existing in the hearts of men. And so God took his presence from the temple and put it within the hearts of men. That's what the day of Pentecost was all about. He was moving from the Holy of Holies into men. And that was the big deal. That's why Jesus Christ left for the last 2,000 years, Mm -hmm. because if we went to heaven where God was, then God would be able to fill us. And that's the sacrifice that Jesus made. That's why it was good for him to go away. It is all about God's will. And as we do God's will, we reap the benefits. We reap blessings beyond measure because God is so magnificent. God is so good. He is so wonderful. And there's none that have left anything on this earth that will not receive more in God's kingdom. And we need to believe that because it's really true. You know, this is not dependent on our ability to explain these things to you. These are spiritually discerned. Exactly. If you're getting what we're saying, God's talking to you right now. It's not us. It's him because... All things that have real value come from his spirit. And yeah, it may be tearing down preconceptions that you've been taught all your life, but better late than never. And God wants to give you better than you have right now. That's right. It's his desire to bless you. But in order to bless you, you've got to be congruent with his will. This is the whole thing. And I want you to know that you are a child of God that was created for this time and this place in this generation. If you will yield to God and hear his voice and do his will, God will use you in ways you never thought possible. God in you is enough for anything. It's based on God. And when God fills you, you become amazing and you become able to do his will. Mm -hmm. And this is a cool thing. I mean, we are on the cuffs of something so magnificent. If it was told to us, we wouldn't believe it. It is going to be better than you can imagine. And you want to sell all and buy this pearl of great price. Mm -hmm. It is totally worth it. Totally worth it. That is the thing that we misunderstand about God. He is a good God and an abundant God, and he wants to pour that goodness and the abundance out on us. And aligning with his perfect will only brings goodness for us. When we're doing what God wants us to do and we feel his pleasure, it brings pleasure in us, and it affects everything that we do. There's a place we can get to in God And I'm not sure that anybody has achieved it on this earth yet except for Jesus. But there's a place that we can get to in God that God is little by little revealing to me where we can just live in his flow, where you don't have to reach out and search for God. You don't have to reach out and search for anything because reaching out and grabbing for something indicates lack. When we are filled with God and we are lined up with what he has for us, there is a place where we are just in his flow. And in his flow brings abundance. In his flow brings all of the fruits of the spirit, the love and the joy and the peace. And being with your divine mate that you're spiritually connected to is part of that flow. And when you're together, life is just an ease. There is a comfort and a flow and a consistency. And God just works things out for you that are absolutely amazing. And there's blessings, answered prayers and desires of hearts that were not even voiced that are met. There is an abundance and a beauty when you're in God's pleasure. You know, when someone does something that is pleasing to you, gives you a good gift or does something, you're getting ready to go do the dishes and you realize somebody else did it for you. 
and you receive pleasure because of something someone did, you really appreciate that person. And you have a lot of gratitude and a lot of love toward that person. Multiply that times a million, and that's God. When you are in his will, doing what he desires you to do, he is pleased. When we walk in faith, it pleases God. And that pleasure pouring into your life is something that produces that amazing flow that he wants us to live in. That is what he has for us. And it starts by making sure that we are hearing his voice and doing what he asks us to do so we can experience that pleasure. And our life is nothing except abundant and beautiful when we're in that flow. Amen. Well, that's about all the time we have for this edition of God's Love Club. We so much appreciate you listening to the end of this. I mean, I know it's a lot to take in, But just take those things that make sense to you, that speak to your spirit, and hold fast on those things, and don't worry about the rest. It's like a smorgasbord of God, you know? (laughs) You can go and get what you like, and you can take it back to your plate, and you can eat it at your leisure. Right. And we want you to be blessed this week. We desire that God lead and guide you specifically, and as never before, so you'll feel his presence and his spirit working within you and through you. That is a blessing. That's right. You have a great week. You be blessed. But first, a word from our sponsor. And now, coming to you live from that cathedral built for the righteous reverend. How are you? I tell you, being righteous and being so well-known is a burden. Sometimes I just dress down, you know, get out of my robes and my rings and everything, and I I slum it in in the Southwest, just appear like a normal person. I try to hide who I am and experience life like other people. It's difficult. I tell you, I I have so much trouble. I'll go into a convenience store and people start praying with me because they say, oh, you're the righteous reverend. I said, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. I can just feel it. Okay, you got me. And I just wanted a snicker bar, and I ended up talking to him a half hour and counseling him about his marriage and his dog and his IRA and everything that he was about. I just have such a heart for the people, I just can't help myself but talk. It's an amazing thing. It just comes out. I try to stop it. I tried to turn around and go, but no, I just had to minister. It's just in me. It's been a righteous moment. With the righteous reverend, be blessed. Thank you for listening to God's Love Club. We appreciate it so much. You are a child of God that is blessed, and God's eyes are upon you. Don't think that he doesn't see you, because he does. Mm-hmm. He loves you, and he wants to bless you in the next seven days. You have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Gloria, where's my coffee? No Dutch brothers. There's no line today.